good, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Festive Podcast. Very excited today. Uh, we are jumping over ship West Coast and talking to Mario Barajas. Mario, can you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to our audience here? Yeah, so my name is Mario Barajas, but I go by Mario Visions and uh, just a filmer out here in Los Angeles. Yeah, man. So really excited to have you on the podcast here. I've been following your work for, I think, a little over a year now. Um, and I just really love your passion, your style, um, the editing you do. I really love how you kind of implement these different styles with like graphics and uh, different type topography. Um, just really love your style. So I'd love to learn like more about like your journey, like what led you to what you're doing now? Have you always had a passion for filmmaking? Um, where did it really come from? Well, first of all, obviously, I have to say thanks for having me on here. Uh, second of all, in terms of answering that question, well, let me, I started filmmaking three years ago, but I've been shooting photos for a really long time with my, with my parents' cameras. So you already know, like the older cameras. Nothing fancy. Got you, got you. But uh, I used to be into cars basically my whole life. Same thing with like, you know, I used to try different things as, as I was growing up, whether it was selling clothes, different type of things. But uh, I kind of realized uh, like four years ago that I really enjoyed taking photos more than selling the clothing, more than kind of, I mean, when I ended up fixing up my car, it was also taking the photos of my car. That was like the most fun. So four years ago is when I decided to just go all in on photography. And then obviously a year after that, I kind of wanted to be more versatile. So that's when uh, filmmaking started for me. Right on. So do you think you have like a really entrepreneurial spirit? It's what it kind of sounds like you've always just kind of had a passion for, for trying and doing a bunch of different things, which, you know, I think I really uh, can resonate with. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's something that it's just, I'm not sure how to explain it, but it's, you know, I've always had like a drive. I've never been like the type of guy to, you know, wake up every day and do the same thing over and over. I've always like a challenge. I always like my days to be different every day. Um, so obviously being an Absolutely. entrepreneur, there's always going to be something different. As you all know, in filmmaking, it's never the same video, never the same anything. So that's probably like what I'm always excited about. And that's kind of like what drives me to, you know, keep working hard to be able to maintain this. Yeah, big facts, man. So was it easy, like, knowing that transition, like, from kind of being more, I guess, just business owner, like, running a clothing company to photography, like, and filmmaking? Was that an easy transition? Like, you kind of just knew because, you know, you're just falling or you're loving the process of the photos and, and making the videos more? Or was it kind of like a, a slow process of discovery, like... I guess, like through running your business, uh, you know, running this clothing company, you kind of just slowly found this passion or did you kind of always just know, like in the back of your head, like this is what you really love doing? I've kind of always knew it. It was like uh, an escape for me. It was something that, you know, right. I've just gone through a lot. I mean, I used to skateboard, of course, so I had to film my friends skating. It was just something that I always, I felt it always, was always with me. In terms of business side, yeah, I mean, it all it all comes back from like back in the day. So I kind of always knew like I knew I wanted to be a businessman, but at the same time do something that I enjoy. And, you know, cameras was always around me. I think that stuff's so interesting. Like it really is. It's weird how I don't know who said the quote, but it's like it's essentially um, whatever you do for a hobby or in your free time is probably what you should do for a career. 
And it sounds like so cliche, but it's really so true. Like the more people I have, you know, I have here on the podcast and the more I sit and like just think back and use my self-awareness, like it's the same boat for them as well as for me is like, I was literally running around with my parents' camera when I was like 12 years old, 13 years old, just making like stupid uh, superhero videos or stunt videos. Like I was just always doing it, but like kind of you mentioned, you know, it was just, it was like an escape. Like I never really even considered it as a career path. Um, so I just think that's all like really, in- what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I just think it's really interesting. No, I completely agree with you. You think that's you. the case with everyone? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the more that, you know, you enjoy doing something, it's, especially as a hobby, you don't really consider it eventually becomes a business, even though I still don't treat it like a business, but it's something that you just, you're just going to work harder for. And it's just, you know, the hobby is always going to turn into something if you, if you can make and you work hard for it. So I definitely agree with that. Absolutely, man. So I guess turning this hobby you had into a professional um, career path, how hard or how easy was that transition for you? You know, going from running a clothing company, obviously you can't just like, unless you had a lot of capital you raised through that, um, getting a lot of revenue, I'm sure you weren't able to just, you know, flip the script like one day, just be like, oh, I'm going to do photo and video full time now. And that was it. Like, how was your transition process? Like, did you have to work another job? Like, how, how did you make it happen? So the clothing brand, that one, actually, I stopped doing that once I figured, like, oh, I want to start photography. And I had a regular job at that time also. So okay, um, I just decided to stop selling clothes because I kind of figured, like, oh, you know, photos was kind of like my thing. So what I ended up doing was just continue working uh, my regular job. And then I think... After I decided, like, I want to start taking photos, I went to Best Buy, I got the 5D Mark III. uh, And then, yeah, everything from there just started piling on. Um, It was a big transition for me. Most most important was, like, with my parents, kind of, you know, uh, having to tell them, like, uh, after I finally quit my job, I, you know, just telling them, like, I'm going to do this full time, not having much in my savings, not knowing what I was going to do. I kind of had just the whole Uber lift in behind my back. Like at worst case, I can do something on the side, but it's just, everything just happened so quick. And then, you know, now I'm doing this full time, but it was a, it was a lot of things that kind of went in between that kind of like, it took a long time for me to kind of just make the step and say, Hey, today I'm going to just quit that job and just kind of go all in on this. But it's a lot of uh, in between that happened before me making this like what what it is today. Definitely. So how did you, how did you go about starting to build out clientele? What, what was your process with that? Like, were you able to leverage your clothing business in some way? Like, I don't know, like leveraging the fact that you ran a clothing company and like using that to pitch yourself to shoot for clothing brands, like, like stating, like, I don't know, I can understand the branding behind clothes better or something. Like, how did you, yeah, just how did you work work out and, and start building, you know, clientele and, and getting retainers to make it, uh, you know, a feasible business? Mm, well, the way, how can I go about this? The way this kind of happened, it was, could you repeat that question one more time, please? Yeah, so I guess I would just love to know, like, more of, like, how you got your first set of, like, clientele. You know, did you do some spec ad work? Did you just like use your portfolio from the photo and video work you did for your clothing brand? Like how did you get those first initial clientele that kind of allowed you to kind of build momentum and then obviously eventually make it like a full-time thing and a feasible running business? Okay, so 
all this happened because it's this is a long story. I'm gonna make it short, but uh, for while I had my regular full time job, I will go every Saturday. So the clothing had nothing to do with it. Honestly, I would just okay. I just enjoyed filming. So I will work Monday through Friday, and then as soon as I hit that Friday, because I used to get out the next following morning at six in the morning. I would shoot all day Saturday and I would go shoot all day Sunday, whether that was events. I would look for a lot of events, whether that was car events, uh, you know, any any type of event. It was just some random events. I'll go film it and then I'll make it a I'll make it a challenge for me while I'm still working my full time job. I have to make two videos out of those two days, whatever it is, make a story, make something. And, you know, that obviously all that just doing that for a full on year, just you know, shooting different events, just going out there. It was all free. It was just kind of for me to get my name out there. It was uh, trying to deliver the videos within 24 hours um, if it was an event because, you know, these events would really appreciate a 24-hour turnaround. That's kind of what I always thought. Like, oh yeah, if I had an event, they want it really fast. And, you know, after a week, it's, it's, a, it's lost. It's like a long gone thing. So I will always yeah, do it. I'm worth it. Yeah, so I will always do that. And then I think that's what happened. Uh, they started posting my work. So they started tagging me and then... Slowly, I started getting clientele from either the company or people that saw it. And that's how it all started picking up. And I kind of started seeing little by little, like, oh, I can really make a living. But it was never like I wanted to make money. It was more of just an enjoyment and all that just kind of, you know, everything just happened so quick that I kind of just had to like realize one day, like, hey, this can be my living. So I should start really looking into it because it's something that I enjoy. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's uh, mad respect for the hustle there. That's that's awesome. I, I'm I'm imagining that you got a ton of value um, network wise out of that experience for that full year as well. Yes. So what I would do is I will make sure my goal when I went to events was make sure obviously in events you're always going to see a film or photographer. So it was always to talk to three filmers or photographers, whatever the case may be get their Instagram, talk to them, you know, even if I knew what camera they were using, like my philosophy was like, hey, what's up? What kind of camera are you using? Like, oh, dope. Like, what are you doing here? And then same thing for models. If I was to see like a few models, I'll try to get their Instagram. I'll take photos of them so they could promote it. But obviously network with them. And if I ever needed a model, at least I know I, I know a few. So definitely that's where my networking was. That's awesome, man. I, I love the fact that you put like actual tangible numbers on that i think that's a huge thing like just with goal setting in general as well uh, i think a big reason you know some people including myself fail to reach certain goals or or figures or anything like that you know i think is because sometimes we just set a bland or generic goal and we don't really set something tangible that we can really work towards um so i'm sure that really kind of helped really push and motivate you yeah speaking of that um kind of transitioning with that is goal setting, is that something you use a lot in your like, I guess, everyday kind of business organization slash process? Are you setting goals? Um, do you do anything like that? Or you kind of just more go with the flow and kind of taking it day by day? I have a few challenges, of course, like post one week, uh, once a week YouTube video. Um, sometimes I try to like sit down and kind of tell myself, how can I make a video for myself by myself with using a, using a slider, tripod shots, whatever the case may be to make a story or just, you know, sometimes just have fun with it and kind of experiment and knowing the limit to kind of knowing, obviously when you finally get a job to hire people, cause you know, it's not possible for those type of scenarios. So 
yeah, I've always set I always set challenges for myself in terms of how much I can go. So obviously, when these type of shoots that it's like free or I'm testing things, it allows me to kind of carry that on to like the actual paid client. Yeah, definitely, man. So what what have been some of I mean, outside of the challenges you set for yourself, mm-hmm. what have been some of your biggest challenges you've had to face in the past? Um, let's say the past year on your journey as a filmmaker and photographer. My biggest challenge uh, that I had to face, I will have to say, that's a tough one, but there's many. I will have to say maybe learning to to say no to clients, learning to to understand myself, Ooh. like not not stressing myself out. Like I would take obviously as a big at the beginning, I'll take a lot of jobs because I wanted experience. I wanted to learn more, but there was a t- time and day when I was like, you know what, like enough is not, like I feel like my work and I need to start valuing myself. So that's when I just decided to raise my prices and kind of scared, obviously, not knowing if I'm going to book these same clients. Um, I lost, obviously, a lot. Yeah. But it allowed me to bring in more people who value and less work, but, you know, the same income and less stress, of course. That was the main thing. Yeah, man, I, I think that's huge. That's something I, I struggle with sometimes as well. And, you know, kind of finding the right price points in your market can be a challenge at times. But there's also um, a ton of incentive and value and just great things that come from, you know, raising your prices and finding, you know, I guess you could call it like your ideal clientele or your ideal market, you know, because at the end of the day, like if you find someone who's essentially what they're doing is really, in my opinion, is they value your work more. I mean, outside the fact that the company might just not have like smaller companies, they just don't have a budget. Mm-hmm. But I think when you find and work with those companies, you know, it it's great because obviously they do, they, they value your work more, they appreciate you more and they're paying more for it. So I think at the end of the day, it's going to yield a better partnership and results for both parties. I, I don't know what you've had through your experience, but I found the clients that pay me more, um, we end up having a stronger relationship. And that's not just because of the money. But again, I think it's because the companies or the individuals that are willing to pay, you know, the price points I set are the people that truly value my work and, and, and know what I can do for them. I, I agree. I think that's like the biggest thing that I got out of it. It was like, you're charging more, but they're paying you. They're willing to pay that, but it's because they see your work. So it's like then their expectations is not, they already know what they're getting. So the price kind of like, it just, it's, I completely agree with you. And what about, this is something interesting I've noticed too, is sometimes I'll get clients that it tends to be clients that have the smaller budgets, um, and that tend to poke around with lots of questions prior to like building out contracts or anything like that tend to be the people that, um, how do I word this? Like just want to control the project. Whereas again, you know, I find the clients that are paying more end up like divvying out more of the task and creative, et cetera, to my side. Like it, I think sometimes there's a weird thing where like, I feel like a lot of people in just like the general market as in like just business, like economics, I think there's a lot of times there's people that literally just um, don't even see like photography or videography as an art form. They just kind of see it as like this generic service. So like they hire you and then they think that like 
they control absolutely everything and like your vision or your ideas or your creative insight and coming from your experience as, you know, a filmmaker and photographer doesn't really matter. Do you do you find that with like smaller companies and productions? I do. Um, I've experienced a lot, especially in the music videos. They're, you know, especially out here in Los oh, Angeles. Yeah. It's like they sometimes come at you with like, you know, obviously I used to take a lot of $400 ones, $600 ones. And yeah, there comes a point where you just kind of, um, ex- I, I experienced a lot where like the high budget ones are the ones that basically, you know, ask for less and the ones that are paying you, le- like wanting to pay you less or you take the job that's less, they're the ones that end up wanting so much. Or they, like you mentioned, they ask a lot of questions and sometimes they try to take creative control of the whole process. So I kind of just learned to yeah. go ahead. You have something to say? No, I was going to say, yeah, especially speaking of that, um, you know, you being out in L.A., like what have what have you done in the past to kind of better navigate those situations? Because, you know, I mean, sometimes they're small projects, but it might be an artist that you think has a lot of potential, you know, and and so it's a relationship you don't want to make a one one and done. You know, you it's someone you think has a lot of potential for the future. And so you're trying to maybe turn them into a, uh, a retainer client. Um, you know, how, how do you try to work around or work through situations like that where you're working with someone who is maybe asking for way more than what's in their budget or they're just trying to take full control of the project and not really like trusting you to do your job and, and trusting your vision? Yeah, for me, I kind of just tell them from the start. Um, if they're asking me all these questions, want to take control, I gotcha. always tell them like, you know, um, I completely agree. You know, I completely understand where you're coming from, but just understand like, if you really want, I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, to take control over everything. Of course, I want your perspective, but you have to allow me to be me. Uh, I feel like I flourish at best when I'm having fun. I'm not having no one over my shoulder. So I kind of just explained to him from the start, like, just understand, like, I'm here for you and I want to give you your, what you want, but allow me to be me and just give me your, what you want. And, you know, if you're hiring me, the way I see it is, you know, you, you like my work and what you see. So that is what you you will get if you allow me to be me to kind of just like n- l- narrow it down. Love that, man. Um, so I guess obviously communication is big with you. That's honestly, that's the biggest reason why I guess you could say 90% probably my clientele, they stick with me. They say the one thing they love about me is, and I actually told an artist today in the morning, that's kind of funny. I was telling him, I was telling him, honestly, you shot many music videos in the past. Why is it that you stuck with me? And he said, you're always picking up your phone call. You're always willing to listen. You prep for our music videos compared to other videographers. They just show up and just shoot it. And they just kind of want to take the money and run. But you, 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 you're willing to listen to me. And then while we're on the shoot, you're always asking me like, "Oh, do you like it? Or would you like me to change the angle or whatever the case may be?" Like you, you know, you, you come back and forth with me compared to others. So I feel like that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds it sounds like you're appreciated as well for taking initiative, um, which which I think is a huge thing as well. You know, going that extra mile, taking that extra step, um, even if it's like a small task, it can make a huge difference for kind of winning over clients. Um, I know for me personally, I think that's something I try to do really well as well, you know, is just constantly be on top of communication. So, you know, answering emails within 24 hours, um, responding to texts day of, I have some friends that, you know, are cinematographers and 
you know, in part, they probably are booked more than me. So that's probably part of the reason as well. But I have some guys that like literally won't answer some text for like two or three days. Um, and I have to imagine that just has to drive some clients absolutely crazy. Have you ever gotten clientele like because they came to you, like they came to you saying essentially like, hey, these guys are terrible at communicating or like we just couldn't get this finished product from these guys. Can you do this for us? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, the, the one thing that did happen to me multiple times where they'll come at me and the one thing they'll kind of go over with me, like, are you guaranteeing us that you'll have it ready by this date? Because they said, you know, those multiple clients will tell me this. I dealt with another videographer. He said he was going to have it ready by this time. Sure enough, he took one, two, three weeks and... Yeah, it was like a delayed process that they were they had to help back on their products. So that's the one thing that they did come in with multiple times. Got you, got you. So let's uh, let's dive a little more deeper into like being a uh, a creative out in LA. What is that like? What are what are the challenges and hardships of being out in LA? You know, obviously there's the macro sense of like taxes are are expensive there, cost of living is expensive there. Um, oversaturated market with just like tons of shooters in regards to um, film and photography. What kind of what are what are the real challenges with being out there? Um, like in the more I guess niche sense, like looking within those macro realms. Like what are your biggest challenges, and what do you do, or what would you suggest to creatives in that in a market like LA, like? New York, like Atlanta to kind of differentiate themselves or kind of win over clientele? Um, the biggest challenge that I can probably give them is uh, to stick, to stay true to themselves. Um, the one thing that I've heard many people say, and I definitely agree with this, is don't get yourself first of all on a debt uh, with camera equipment cause it, or with camera in general, because then you're kind of obligated to take on all these shoots. But kind of stick within the mark uh, in terms of a price range um, with with this, at least in Los Angeles, that's what I learned. Um, just kind of stick within the market. You're, you're going to start off somewhere, but once you get somewhere, kind of stick within that price range and give yourself a reason for people to, you know, to come at you. Because there's many people out there that are going to try to make a music video for like three, four hundred dollars. But if if you focus on your work and you focus on your visuals and everything else, they're kind of going to come to you regardless of even though you're charging like a thousand, a thousand five hundred just because of your, your work ethic, uh, what you provide. Um, but my, and for sure, this is like the biggest thing that I've seen in Los Angeles to a lot of videographers is a lot of people are starting to add too many effects on their video edits that um, a lot of people come to me because it's very simple, but it's all focused. Just like yourself, I've seen your, your, your visuals. It's, it's all visuals, it's storytelling. And people tend to forget that. They think it's just a bunch of edits and that's it. So, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Like, let's not, let's not even go down yeah, that road. You, I, I've seen your videos are really good, proper. I've seen the visuals and I'm like, uh, you just released one. Um, it was like, uh, I think you were at his release date at, at his house. You like promoted the video or something on your story. Yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. a really good video. And I was like, wow, like I could see the, you know, the pro I see what you did. Like if someone sees it, they could see production compared to just a bunch of edits. And it's just, that's what kind of makes me stand out here. Cause I don't really focus too much on edits. I try to just stick for sure on visual and do the most in camera. And that kind of separates you from everyone that's out here. Cause there's a lot of videographers out here. That's for sure. Yeah, man. I, I think I, I totally agree. I think that's a huge thing, not just in that realm, but I mean like the whole like 
travel adventure ecotourism like realm as well like i think that's a big issue is like all these transitions and like effects like people are so focused on right now it feels like the creative world people are so focused on just trying to make the next cool thing or the next cool transition or shot that like you mentioned like they just completely forget that like content you know story is king like that's yeah without a without story without storytelling like no one's gonna really stick through and watch your video or you know slide through your entire gallery so i think that's so true man i think just kind of sticking uh, sticking to your guns if you will dying on dying and falling on your sword um and sticking to storytelling storytelling um, is key and then i'm gonna add one more thing to this yeah, um, go for it. The other thing that separated me from everybody, and this is the one thing I've always, uh, it's something that I knew. I don't know if it was like, I don't know how I knew so so fast, but it's buying a bunch of lights because lighting, as you as you well know, and I've seen your YouTube videos, it's such, it's yes, so sir. crucial. And everyone out here kind of doesn't really have any lights. Uh, you know, artist books me. I have a bunch of portable aperture lights with V-mount batteries, tube lights that are battery operated. So that def- that changes everyone's. Pers- they want to come to me because oh, this guy can make so much with you know, and he has so many cool things compared to someone just has a camera and just again relying everything in in effects. So they a lot of people prefer when they see the lighting and all that. They love the look, and that's you know that comes with just investing in the right equipment to kind of stand out so doing the right thing don't just keep buying cameras you know there's other things that are more important absolutely yeah there's i I think that was a mistake i made early on you know as i was just always trying to buy the next camera or the next lens and early in my career i was kind of doing that and going about that route but like i wasn't seeing drastic changes in my work but it was when i really started focus on lighting and the real art of storytelling that I started really seeing um, big changes in my work. So I definitely agree with you there. Lighting is huge and, uh, you know, not just like in the production value you're actually going to have, but I mean, also like it just kind of like makes your set look a lot cooler and more professional too, I think. Um, In regards to the tube lights real quick, what brand do you use? I use use the Pavo tubes and Nanlites. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, been interested in uh, getting getting the name lights. They look pretty solid. Do you have the four-foot set? Yeah. Or the two? The four. And are the RGB full-spectrum? It's the whole, whatever? yeah, it's the whole thing. I mean, the only downfall to it that I wish it had, like the Astero tube lights do, is, you know, you can change, like, colors kind of like, there's a bunch of different effects you can do in a, with the Asteris compared to the, the Power 2 does them all, but the Asteris goes like an upper level and just kind of tops it with like different type of, like the pulse effect where like different colors change throughout like the middle, like the top and the bottom. So it's, you have a little bit yeah. more with the Astero tubes. Yeah, man, I, I think this is an interesting conversation because it's like a weird, um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. It's like, um, I don't know. So like I, I, the last podcast guest, I was talking to my buddy Corey hour and he was talking about how we were having the conversation on like how gear doesn't really matter because it's like, it's more about like, again, how you and me are talking about like the story and everything. But then again, gear does matter because we were talking about how, you know, he's landed so many more gigs and gotten new clients and kind of built, I guess, retainer clients in that like DPs are constantly bringing him onto first AC because he has a full um, wireless follow focus system. um, And he's really good at operating it. So like, 
now he gets a ton of gigs just because he has that. He's gotten um, multiple clients that just want to bring him back because he brings extra lights and um, his wireless director monitors kit to sets. And like he did it for one set. I think he was telling me where he was like just a grip, but he brought that stuff and they ended up using the monitor for the entire first two days of like their three day set. And then the third day they're like begging for him to bring it back. Like, it just goes to show you that having these um, other elements that, again, as you mentioned, kind of set you apart, but really add value to the production can make a huge difference um, in getting you and you know clientele or winning over your clientele again and again. The, uh, you said Corey Hour, right? Yeah. That's funny. Uh, I was supposed to work with him. I was supposed to hire him on a music video this month, but I mean, things got canceled and like tur- got turned around. And I think he was gonna go out of town. Oh no way! Yeah, that's that's kind of funny. Dang. Yeah, I was gonna have him to be the AC on my on my shoot. For sure. Yeah, you you gotta link up with Corey. He's a great guy, super good at what he does too. Um, so I'm sure you guys would kill it together. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, like you mentioned, I completely agree with the whole with the whole gear. You know, it doesn't matter, but it does. Like the one thing I was actually gonna make a YouTube video on this and kind of like show people like it you don't need that much but then you it helps like for example you know obviously you're not limited when you need like drone shots or gimbal smooth shots like it helps but at the same time the main advantage is other people will bring you in because you're experienced you have uh your experience with all these different type of equipments and you own it so they kind of they'll bring you in because you just know it so definitely it helps yeah man and uh, a big thing me and Corey talked about was like it's that trust factor There's people I know that are um, probably potentially like better, you know, cinematographers than some of the people I bring on or like better grips that I bring on, etc. But I go to the people I go to consistently because they're reliable. I can I trust them, you know, to be on time to do the job right. Um, They're passionate about what they do. So. I totally agree there. Like it's not just the gear, but it's knowing all the different gear, knowing all these different positions, like having that, uh, vast knowledge of just like everything within a film or a photo production, like has immense value because then that's one less position or person, you know, that the director producers, you know, really have to worry about or, or watch over. So that makes a huge difference on, on set. Um, kind of transitioning here a bit what are some of your uh biggest fears what's your biggest fear um with uh you know being in this creative realm or i guess more specifically like being a creative in la or are you fearless uh, no (laughs) i definitely have one fear and that fear is to kind of be where i'm at today um and by what what i mean by that is I want to one day, so the reason why I got into filmmaking is obviously because I enjoy it. Uh, I want to continue shooting music videos here and there, same with promo videos for brands and whatnot. But I definitely, the reason why I'm also trying to work towards YouTube, even though I know that's another job of its own, is I want to be able to enjoy myself with my camera, kind of just taking out my camera and shooting for fun and making an income out of it, which is what some YouTubers can do. You just, you know, people follow you because of your work, so you're able to do what you love rather than working with so many clients and then eventually it just feels like a job. Like right now for me, 
it feels like a job because I'm here shooting this, shooting that, editing all these different things. But at times I'm like, man, whatever happened to those days where I just picked up my camera and went out to film. So my biggest fear is continue doing this for like a long time. I would like to eventually hold, you know, uh, take less and be able to do at the same time what I love while also making time for my girlfriend, uh, my family, because that's, you know, one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur, to spend time with my family whenever I have future kids, be there, seeing their growth, you know, all that. So, uh, yeah, that's for sure my biggest fear to be where I'm at today. I would like to get away from this. Not, not saying that I don't enjoy right. shooting, you know, for other people, but, you know, taking less. Yeah, no, definitely, man. I think at the end of the day, I mean, there's nothing better than waking up and doing like exactly what you want to do every single day. And being an entrepreneur, I mean, even if, you know, I mean, yes, I would say 90% of the time I'm probably doing like exactly what I want to do. But as you mentioned, I mean, like there's some client, there's some clients where like the gig just isn't exciting. You know, I might be covering an event where it's literally just filming a speaker on a podium for four hours or, uh, you know, it might be doing an edit for just like a corporate talking head interview, you know, just something like really basic, or it might be admin work. Like I hate answering emails, but it's something you kind of just got to do. Um, so I I definitely get that. What are you, what steps are you taking, if any, to kind of make that transition here? Uh, Obviously, you know, that's probably something more of like, uh, playing the long game and like slow process, but what, what kind of steps are you taking, if any, to kind of ensure that, you know, five years down the road or 10 years down the road, you're able to, you know, divide and, and delve out, you know, 50% of your time to just passion projects, or maybe it's 65% of your time to passion projects. Like, what, what are you doing exactly to, to make that happen? Uh, it will have to be building a team. That's uh, for sure. I'm trying to find like the right, you know, maybe I don't have to edit. Or like, as you mentioned, some of these jobs where I completely agree, like you're editing an interview that's not so exciting. Like I'm more excited about something that doesn't seem like I'm going to be able to do that's going to challenge me. So I'm I'm really into those type of uh, edits, those type of videos. So just building a team where I don't need to take that or, you know, I could send it to them or if they really want me to do it, I can do it, but have someone else take over it. But definitely having a team will allow me to kind of settle back and, you know, not not having to do everything. Because that's... Yeah, totally agree, man. Do you have, do you have somewhat of a team or... Have you struggled to find one? Like, what has it been like building a team and and trying to make something like that happen out in LA? Because, you know, I mean, that's something I'm still kind of slowly developing Mm -hmm. here, uh, kind of in in Orlando myself, you know, as I have, you know, I'd I'd say a, a core two to three people, maybe I kind of bring on to like every single production if I can. And, and I really trust and rely on, but like, you know, I've been in this market for three years um, to kind of just give perspective. Like, it's just hard to find people that you truly have, like, full chemistry with and, like, your visions align, um, what you want to accomplish aligns. You're both, you know, or you're all, like, equally motivated and driven and, and your work ethic is the same. Like, how have you worked to build a team or do you have a team now somewhat? Like what, what have been your challenges, successes, et cetera, with, with doing that? So in terms of team out uh, here, I, 
I only have uh, three other people that are guaranteed, like, uh, I can count on, but um, they're not real DPs. So I have, like, a friend named Kevin. Got you. He's, uh, he's a good story writer. I sometimes give him the, the music video, and he'll kind of give me, like, a script, and then we'll kind of, like, make it into one. Um, I have a guy named Dope. Ezra, super cool guy, but, you know, same thing. Um, he's not really experienced, so I'm teaching him right now to kind of, like, learn the gaffer role and, like, different type of things like that. Um, but definitely cool. for me is kind of as you were speaking earlier on, just bringing the right people. I don't want to bring people just because they're good and like they just see me as like, oh, it's just a job and then I'm out. I kind of want someone that I'm going to hang out with, someone that we're going to be friends and we're going to enjoy. Because my job is never, the one thing I say to everyone from the start is we're going to have fun, let's enjoy it, but let's be focused when it's time to focus. But let's enjoy it. We're, this, this is not a yeah. job. This is just something we're privileged to be part of. So, um, yeah. Love that. And then, um, are you familiar, by the way, with Anastas? I'm sorry, say that again? Do you know who Anastas is? Anastas Roy uh, Royal C Production? I don't think so. Okay, well, he's a, it's funny. Um, so, he's a big YouTuber, uh, and he's he does a lot of music videos. So what I'm bringing okay. him on this is because he came over here once and, you know, he had a bunch of subscribers. He had good work. And I kind of learned off his YouTube videos to shoot music videos. So he came out here from Canada and we kind of just met up. We collabed on a music video. Super chill guy. That's the type of guy I want motive driven. Like, you know, I don't really have to tell him much. He's just self-driven on his own. And I see it within his videos and his YouTube, Instagram. So I actually just flown him and he's coming in today to shoot a big music, two music videos on Saturday and Monday coming up. So, um, you know, Hell yeah, bro. That I'm willing to do that. Like if people show me that I'm willing to figure out a way with the artists or with the budget to try to bring people, especially because he loves LA and he knows the market out here is a, it's much bigger for what he loves to do. So if I can help people, but at the same time, see that they're hungry and driven, that's the people that I want and vice versa. They come and help me. I'm also going to help them with something, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. We're all, we're all helping out each other, reach one, teach one, kind of just building each other up. Uh, totally agree. And, you know, finding people like that, obviously you're going to make you, even more kind of driven and motivated how has surrounding yourself with people like that you know motivated you or helped you kind of uh take things to the next level with with your personal brand and business um with my team is that what you mean or yeah 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 like just like surrounding yourself with with other you know passionate creatives like how has that impacted you on your journey like has it motivated you a lot more to create more content? Has it made it made you more creative? Like, what have you experienced as a result of surrounding yourself with, you know, other people who are passionate about these same things that you're passionate about, you know, have a, a similar aligned vision? I feel like I mean, for definitely my videos have gotten a lot better. Um, you know, when you have when you put three, four or even just two uh, creators, just or, well, obviously myself and someone else creating together. You guys can kind of just pick, piggyback off each other and just throw in ideas. And, you know, it's going to obviously you're going to have a better video than you just have yourself. Uh, you yourself can be really good, but you're always going to miss out on things. So by having that second, third, fourth person, like I'm always willing to, to you know, I always tell my team, uh, anyone that shows up, if you guys see something that I don't, feel free to come tell me. I'm willing to hear it out. And, you know, I'm not the type of guy with a big ego to, oh, no, like, no, I might have my storyboard. I might have all that. But sometimes 
throw things my way that I might not see in person that you guys see from a different angle, different perspective. So having the team kind of just elevated me to like the next level. And this is why I tell every artist, I can't take this type of budget because for me, you're not just getting me, you're getting me and my team. I'm not going to show up just me because I'm not about to direct DP, set up the lights and do all that. Like that's long gone. I've, I've seen the the, you know, the the results that I've gotten with the team. So I want to stick that way because I'm not going to sh- basically, you know, devalue myself and make worse videos just because someone doesn't want to pay. I'd rather wait for the right client and yeah. keep my work where it's supposed to be and keep getting better, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you do that, you allot yourself, you know, kind of like you mentioned, that time to work on personal passion projects. Like that's that's probably been one of my biggest transitions this year in 2019, you know, is being able to, or having the confidence to say no to clientele and and trusting that, you know, the market will, you know, come to me, if you will, but through, I guess, just constantly putting my work out there and marketing myself, the right clientele will come. And that's definitely been the case. And, and you know, again, what I said earlier, like it, it's allotted me and freed a ton of my time up to work on more passion projects. And I've really been able to, I think, brand myself a lot better this year and get myself in a lot of people's faces, both, you know, fan base as well as, um, to clientele. How has that, um, worked to free up your time? You know, have you seen a big difference with saying no to these gigs and only accepting, you know, things within the right, uh, budget as well as, you know, clientele that feel like the right vision for you or yes. how has that imp- impacted you? So, um, for, so for, for sure, Budget-wise, it's not always the case. You know, sometimes there's like a product that we really want to take because it's something different or it's something we, we love to do. So if the budget's not there, I'm, I'll probably still take it because I really enjoy it and I'm going to be happy about it. But sure, um, yeah, so the reason why for me, I will, uh, and I tell everybody, um, if you're not shooting for fun and creating what you want to create, you're holding yourself back because you definitely will know as, as much as myself in this part. And I'm sure you, you agree, but you'll feel free to disagree. When we work for our, for our own projects, whatever we have, we're going to execute it a lot better. We're going to put a lot of time into it. We're very hard on ourselves and our own visuals. So by us being able to do that, we allow, we we're able to show people what we can do. We're able to show people a different side of us that that itself will bring us better clients because we're we're going to be so hard on ourselves that when that video comes out, it's going to be so dope that people are going to be like, yo, like, where has this been? But it's because, you know, you put your blood, sweat, tears into all into that work. And so then bigger clients will see that type of work compared to you just shooting all these low budgets. And, you know, you're not really getting that. So you take less, focus on yourself, showcase what you can do. And that brings in better clients. And, you know, budgets obviously a lot higher because they're able to see what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, like, it's just sometimes I think the big struggle I think a lot of people play with or have to deal with, you know, is sometimes they might not be in the best financial situation or it's hard to say no when someone comes to you and is like, hey, I've got $500 for a couple hours of your time and a quick edit. But it's like if you don't do your research and really figure out like who this client is and ask them more questions and figure out what they're really looking for, you could end up getting yourself into a terrible contract where you know you're editing for the next month doing 20 plus revisions for this client um so i think that can have like a huge impact but however you know speaking on the passion project side i totally agree and i'm always trying to make it 
the best I possibly can. And as a result, I think I've won over a lot of clients doing so. Um, I think one of my best passion projects was me and some buddies did a Amazon Alexa Echo spec ad. Um, we put that out and like within five days, I think we booked like three new clientele um, and all of them were, you know, a couple grand uh, commercial shoots. So that was huge. But however, again, you know, is when do you say enough is enough and put it out? Or do you really like, do you struggle with that at all? For me, I'm a big perfectionist. So like passion projects, a big focus for me this year has been um, just kind of, you know, saying to myself enough is enough or like just being happy with how it is and putting it out there because we could work, you know, being a creative, I'm sure you know, you know, you could work on a passion project for 20 fucking years and you'd never be like fully, fully satisfied with the end result. So, you know, how do you kind of work yourself through that process on passion projects of like knowing when is the time to quit or to turn it over to someone else, etc.? Uh, and just in terms of the passion project? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I kind of came into realization, I think, a couple months ago. Um, we're never going to be satisfied um, with with our own job, with our own passion projects. That's just, it. it is what it is. Like, we'll probably get excited, and then we're always tweaking things out. So I kind of just learned to just put it out. Um yeah, I'm not, I might not be super you know, excited about it, but I still put my time into it. So I just decided, to, I, you know, I just decided to just put them out, um, not hold back on it. I mean, you know, the whole purpose is this, to keep learning, keep growing. So, and it's always good to reflect back. Um, one thing that, uh, that I did, for example, and that I wasn't going to do is, you know, I posted a YouTube video like three, three years ago or two years ago, something like that. And that thing has over 40,000 views. So you'd be surprised what, you know, putting one one video out can do for you know what can do what it can do. Um, obviously, I didn't do much Absolutely. for me, since yeah. I, so I didn't continue it. But if I was to continue from that point on, I could just imagine where I'd be. So it's just yeah, just kind of let it go. Just you know, as much obviously as hard it is for us to like, oh no, there's so much to do. Sometimes it's just you know, just make it, just let it go, and just put it out there. For sure. I mean, at the end of the day, too, is you know, you could work on it super you could spend a ton of time and think it's an incredible project, put it out and the market could just like shit on you and be like, nah, this isn't good, but you could spend like zero time almost on a project, pump it out and the market loves it. You know, that's, that's been the case for me a couple of times. You know, I've like spent literally like days working on a passion project. I put it out and like, no one really cares for it. And then I'll put a passion project out that I literally like shot, edit and colored in like, six hours and then I'll get like a ton of results and engagement and excitement. So I think at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to put it out there. You know, you kind of just have to let the market tell you, um, how do you stay, how do you stay motivated? What, what do you do to fight over, um, the ruts that, uh, you know, kind of come to us as creatives? How do you get out of those, those temporary times where you might not feel very creative or, you just don't feel like doing anything because again, being an entrepreneur, you're constantly working. Like there is no holidays. There's no days off. You always kind of need to be on top of things with emails and clients and expenses, accounting, etc. How do you stay motivated through all that? That's a tough one. Um, for me, 
I mean, clearly the gym helps. <laughs> you go there, kind of just uh, rela- yeah, you know, yeah. releases everything out of your mind. But uh, in terms to what motivates me to keep it going, it's just I have to say my father. Um, he's not in the best of health, and just me watching him every day, still continue working, and just that kind of fuels me to work. Basically, you know, to be able to kind of you know give him less to work on. Uh, have him more in the house. Um, just looking at my father, I mean, everything he's done, everything he's accomplished uh, from not, yeah. you know, from not doing any, from not knowing English at all and just doing what he does is just, that really is what motivates me. Like there, there is no excuse for me to fail. I mean, we're all going to fail in different times in our lives, but that doesn't mean it's over. It just means learn from it and keep going. So I just look at him and that's really what motivates me. It's just my father and what he's done, what he's shown me that that could be possible. So it's just my father. I, just looking at him every day, that's really what drives me to, like, you know, continue that's doing That's awesome, it. man. Yeah. That's dope. Mad respect for that. So kind of building off of that, how much is, um, would you say, friends and family and just having, like, a quality support network, how would, how much have, would you say that's, you know, impacted you and in, in your success thus far? Well, for sure, I had nobody <laughs> at the start. I had nobody. Um but what, okay. but what held me was my father. So my yeah. my father was trying to get a house, you know, uh, years ago. And, and nobody would respond to his texts or his phone calls, which is family, of course. And, you know, because it's a big thing to do. But, uh, again, nobody was responding. He, But he never lost hope. He always, like, fought for what he believed and what he wanted to do, which he eventually ended up doing. Now he owns a company, et cetera. So just seeing that. That's really what, you know, for me, I don't, it, that, that's really what gets me. It's not really like the whole family because I never had anyone. So you kind of just show me like you don't need nobody. Um, people help, obviously, and you're going to have people to help you. But it's just your will yourself. That's really what's going to get you. That's interesting, man. I, that's, I'd like to talk on that more. Um, how, like, I guess I'm just trying to like think like more like, get more of an idea of like your your mindset and and thought process because that's like that's an interesting perspective i honestly like haven't really gotten on, on the podcast quite yet i mean i know for me personally like my friends from you know back where i grew up have never been like i've never had crazy supporters or like anyone who's like constantly like always watching my videos or shouting me out or like pumping me up really like i've just known i've always had a great support network with my family back home and that like they're always there for me if I need them um and yeah I mean like just I guess like it's always just kind of had like I've always just had this backbone that I know I could kind of fall back on if like if times ever got really hard or I needed like just someone to vent to or work out a problem or situation with like I'm just trying I guess I I would just be very curious to know more like how you've kind of worked through all this like on your own just through like sheer will if you if you will <laughs> um well weird uh, to say <laughs> no um, an- another thing that kind of like building off what you just said is um i have a friend named kevin that's the my number one friend that kind of helps me with everything he helped me from the start honestly and uh so what what also fuels me and kind of keeps me in that is he helps me so many times, uh, so many times in the past where there was no budget. He'll just come and help me for free multiple, multiple times. I can't even count. So the fact that he kind of believes in I mean, that's the way I see it. Like he believes in me that he puts so much of his time to just help me, vice versa, my girlfriend. Um, 
yeah. you know, all this is that that's really what puts me there. But yeah, I mean, just the whole thing with uh with what I saw with my dad, you know, not and not he didn't have anybody, and he just never gave up. I mean, my mo- my mother didn't even um, believe, or she didn't want to make it happen, and my dad just kind of like ignored all and said, you know, like. The one thing, and that's where I, the one thing that I picked up, not even from him, it's just something that I saw from him is no one's ever going to understand what's in your mind and what you see. So that's why I always say never listen. Don't worry about anybody. Never ask for opinions or suggestions because only you yourself see that go and only you will know how much you have to work to get there. You, you're not going to know, but you're going to experience in order to know and kind of see what works, what doesn't. So just kind of, it's all within yourself. It's your, you have it in your mind. No one else sees what you see. So it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all on you and, you know, people, yeah, they can be there to help, but it's at the end of the day, it's all on you. And cause you're the only one that sees that goal that, you know, whatever it is oh, that yeah. you want to do. Yeah, man. Right on. I, I'm, 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 I'm vibing off that. I like that. Kind of get my juices going here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what kind of what kind of advice would you give to anyone listening that's um, you know they're they're on the fence they they've been doing you know photo film creative in general you know they've been doing something creative for a couple months maybe a couple years um, they really want to make that switch and go full time what are like your biggest tips or suggestions um, for someone looking to do that uh, just go for it don't don't hold back. Don't don't think twice, because once you start thinking, you start you're already bringing that negative vibe into your own mind. So just you know, just obviously make sure you're you're prepared. You either have a savings or, as myself, I didn't have much savings, but I had Uber and Lyft that I went right away as soon as I quit the job. Sure enough, I never did an Uber Lyft drive, but I did that just because you just never. I didn't know what what I was gonna go for, but just take the leap yeah. and just be prepared. That's it. But don't think twice if it's something you want to do go for it. I mean, if you if you don't, you never will. So, cuz you're just going to put so much things in your mind. So, just go for it and you'd be surprised what can happen out of that and, you know, the one thing that you can't take away is work ethic. If you're a hard worker and you want to learn, you you will get somewhere. You just have to be willing to listen, learn and don't have a big ego. Always listen to other people, always take criticism. Um all filmers are different to us. You know, sometimes we're like, "Oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about," but you know, still listen. Don't don't take away don't take away everyone's advice. Some advice may be good advice, so don't you know just kind of be open to that. But work ethic and all that, as I mentioned. Hell yeah, man! Um, building off of that, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have, or anything that you would like to share with our audience? Hmm. Yeah, I will probably. I feel like you asked pretty much everything. Um, maybe that's something that I would like to tell people is to just don't chase money, don't don't chase checks, chase your passion, and everything will come with that. And I'm a believer that it's happened to me. Um, if there's ever a time that you need to put money on something and it's an investment, just do it. Don't think twice. Um, for example, I just make it real fast. I bought the S1H about a month, two months ago. It was $4,000. Okay. I made the $4,000 back in two weeks. Um, I didn't expect that, honestly. I thought it was gonna take me like two, three months. It happened in two weeks. So, But I never told myself, oh, what if it doesn't work? How am I gonna pay? I always said, I'm gonna make it work. I will find a way. 
so always have that positive you know uh, mentality don't ever question yourself don't ever say what if or or how can i just um, always say sorry always say how can i what can i do that's a positive approach you should do for everything don't don't ever put negativity in your mind because that will hold you back and it will you know you won't succeed because of that hell yeah man love that positive positive mindset positive energy all the way yeah um Thank you so much for coming on, Mario. Before we uh, before we close this out, um, can you go ahead and uh, give us some uh, information here? What's what's like uh, what's a good place for people to see your work, follow your journey, and maybe get in touch with you if if they'd like to hire you for a gig? Yeah. So my Instagram is Mario Visions. Um, also, I have a website, MarioVisions.com, if they want to check it out. And uh, same thing for YouTube, Mario Vision. So it's like those are the places in case they want to reach out, where they have questions or they want to work together, co- collaboration, whatever. I'm always up for it. So those are the places to reach me. Hell yeah. Sweet. Thank you so much for coming on, Mario. Really appreciate the time. Um, I think everyone's going to really appreciate uh, the conversation and the value you shared. I know I definitely did. Um, this has been a great episode of the Festive Podcast. And we'll see you all on the next episode. We're out.